0: This week's guest is Jody Foster. Jody has had an interesting career in the industry as she has spent over a decade working on super yachts, catering to the whims of the super rich and celebrities. Jody discusses some of the more interesting aspects of that yachting lifestyle and what is expected of the staff, which entails very long work hours, defense training in order to be ready to ward off pirates, and some of the wilder adventures she's had. After a decade on the high seas, Jody moved back home to Kitchener-Waterloo and got into event planning and private household management. Jody, along with a business partner, has also started up The Curator's Shop, an elevated custom gifting business. You can find it online at thecuratorsshop.com, and there's a link in the show notes as well. Jody's a terrific guest, and it's an interview you're definitely going to enjoy.
1: Okay, welcome to another episode of the Industry Podcast. My name is Kip. This is Dan. What's going on, man?
0: Uh, not too much. Uh, another Monday. Surprise, surprise. Another mm-hmm. slight hangover.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Every Monday. Yeah. Well, at least you're consistent.
0: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I went and did a hockey pool last night with uh, 11 of my closest friends. Oh, and, yeah.
1: And uh, you know that goes. No, I don't, because uh, I don't like hockey. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it sounds like drunk.
0: Yeah, it was drunk. That was another drunk good time. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, no complaints. Nice. Nice. Employee of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How are things with you? Same shit, man. It was good. Um, We had a good stand-up comedy night. Shout out to Michael Terry and the people from Soup of the Day podcast in New York City who came down and did a night at Sugar Run. So, that happens if anyone's listening or caring. That happens uh, once a month at Sugar Run. We'll be having these comics from New York coming down, so you guys should come check that out. That's a plug for that bar. Here's a plug for the other one. Uh, Babylon Sisters is now open, and we're serving a bunch of wine, so you should get there as soon as you can. 23 King Street North. Perfect. That's all the sponsorships we've been able to ascertain so far for the podcast. That's good. That's good. (laughs) Okay, so we got a great guest, as always. The famous actress Jodie Foster is with us <laughs> to say today, so that's exciting. We're going to talk about why Hinckley shot Reagan for her yeah. <laughs> and some other interesting topics. Mm, that's like, true, true. But it was that like is, playing a teenage prostitute. Yes.
2: <laughs> that is how I occasionally make a dinner reservation, yeah, just okay, to see I if I can get a better seat. <laughs> uh,
1: by using your name. Sure, yeah, yeah <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we'll get the housekeeping out of the way. If you want to be on the show because you've been enjoying it so much, you should email us at info at the industry dot club, or you can DM us directly at the industry podcast on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should be checking out our archives, lots of great interviews. Recently, we had. Ali Kedoba. Yes, David Houdima prior to that. We had Stacey
0: Anderson. We had Thing Daphne on. Barry. A whole host of archives. This is episode
1: 81. So, 81, yeah. so Clayton's
0: Cocktails, Beth Havers, Laura Nielsen, responded to online comments and reviews.
1: So if you haven't listened to any of these, you got a lot of fucking work to do, so I'd get at it. You might need to quit your job. That's yeah. 80 hours of content. Yes. Um, <laughs> Maybe more than that. Yeah. Okay. Also, as always, a big shout-out to Zach Hanna from at Zach Hanna Design. Does all the artwork for us. He's awesome.
0: And what else? That's it, eh? I think that covers everything. Covered all the bases. All right. Show's over. Okay. <laughs> Anytime. Thanks for coming out. Great
1: having you, Jody. me. Thank
0: coming you
1: for having out. me. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll get to the interview. This yeah. is uh, Jody Foster, friend of the podcast. Thanks for coming by. We're doing another live one, too. Live ones in a row. It's yeah. like a whole new world. I, I don't, don't even know... Uh, it's so weird not looking at somebody across the screen. I'm a little nervous actually. Right. Yeah. Perfect cuz uh, I'm terrified right how now. How do you feel about direct eye contact?
2: Well, I'm actually wondering like out of 81 have you ever had somebody recording them like that was shit? I'm just going to we're just going to just skip that all together.
1: We have not We uh, okay. everyone's are pretty good, but okay. we had we've had some pretty shitty audio before. Yeah, that's yeah. a big problem. Yeah. People use a shitty
0: shitty laptop with a shitty mic. Okay. And uh, the Zoom software itself does a lot of overcorrecting. Yes. Yeah. So you start talking Faster, the faster you talk, the more it cuts out.
1: Right. So you just hear, it's like, can't even describe it.
2: I just won't be offended if I'm the first one. That's all I'm trying to say. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> <laughs> if one's going to get trashed, it's going to be because of me. So don't okay. worry about it. All right. Okay, Jodie Foster actually lives here locally and is... The I don't even know what your relationship is to one of my best friends, but uh, I don't know how we describe it—ex sister-in-law. That's right. Is That's that what we call exactly
2: it? accurate.
1: Okay, <laughs> except that they were never really married, were they? No. No. I, I feel like I would have gone to the wedding. Yeah. Right. Me too. <laughs> yeah. <Right. laughs> okay. Well, thanks for coming down. Thanks Julie.
2: for
0: having yeah, me. Thanks
1: very much. Yes, so thank this you. is going to be an interesting one, and I just want to dive right into it because you have had one of the craziest jobs in the service industry, and certainly a different one than we've, a different type of uh, job than anyone who's ever been on this show before. So, let's talk about it. How did you get into working on super yachts?
2: Okay. All right. That's, uh, yeah, I mean, I've always worked in service, so... Mm -hmm. Um, when I was younger, I started at McDonald's, you know, good service background there. It is and a good then service And then I background, worked yeah. locally. Everybody knows Country Boy Restaurant. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was sort of like boot camp for service, quick mm-hmm. service. And then I worked at Buffalo Mountain Lodge out west and Banff oh. and sort of learned the sort of housekeeping side there.
1: Oh, you were um, working, like, in the housekeeping side? I was. I, was, oh. I
2: learned housekeeping there, very sort of strict protocol on mm-hmm. how to clean a proper room, I guess. Yeah. And then I worked at Mount Norquay, which is a ski resort in the service department. And that was kind of it for my, I guess, my hospitality background before I started yachting. But you get a lot of oh. training on site. So working on yachts, you have to have some sort of service beforehand, but really you're learning everything when you get there because it's impossible to completely understand the environment before you get into it.
1: What made you decide that you would that you thought you might like working on a yacht?
2: Um, traveling, just yeah. not committing, like a fear of committing, kind of fear of obligation, a fear of growing up, I guess.
1: Oh, so I should probably just, be working <laughs> on the yacht right now. I feel like <laughs> I
2: should have continued. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just sort of, you know, whatever, I think most people, right? You just, you're young, you want to travel, you want to do something different. And I had just finished school in Toronto and... Life was starting to look like it might get serious for me, and I just, I I bailed, basically. Right. Um, My mom had told me that she was in Antigua, and she saw some super yachts, and maybe that was something I want to try. Oh, cool.
1: It was like that. So I had a couple friends who worked on cruise ships, not the super yachts, but mm -hmm. just like the cruise. It's a a similar idea. Like, you're on the boat. But... Don't you find, like, did you find that you were stuck on the boat for most of the time, though? Like, and you didn't really get to do a lot of actual traveling, or did you? So,
2: definitely, it's hardcore work, right? right. Like, you're on deck at 5, 6 a.m., and you're working till 11, 12 at night, and, you know, Jesus. maybe you'll have an hour of sleep in between. You eat for five minutes and then you sleep just to recharge. You keep going and I would do that months on end. But on the same token, when you would get off, you'd be off for two, three months traveling the world. So oh, it was so an like easy toss off. up.
1: So like how does it work? Like the boat docks somewhere and they let you off at like some awesome location and you're off literally for a couple of months?
2: So yeah, when the guests are on board. So there's two types of I guess I should explain before. There's two types of boats. There's a, a private yacht uh-huh. and a charter yacht. Okay. Both are owned privately. Right. But one principle will put it on the market for charter make some money back when they're not using it. Or if they have a busy schedule and they're not interested, they'll just throw it on the charter market. Oh. And then guests will be able to rent the boat. And then you go here, there, and everywhere for a week or two or whatever. The
1: And you're staffed to a specific boat.
2: That's right. You're yeah. hired by a principal or you're hired by a captain that
1: represents the principal. So and when the principal you, means whoever owns the boat. Yeah,
2: I refer to them as really weird terminology, but as our owner.
1: Yes, yeah, okay.
2: <laughs> they were our owner. I
1: wanted, I wanted to start getting the staff to call me the principal. So,
2: yeah. <laughs> the owner, yeah, the yeah. principal. Yeah. So you sort of choose. Um, You're going to work on a private yacht, a charter yacht, and they kind of run differently. You know, a charter yacht is, it's pretty back-to-back. It's pretty heavy, but you get some pretty sweet gratuities. But when you work on a private yacht where just the principal is using it, it's much more serious and it's much more stable. And And typically you get a higher higher wage, but Uh, yeah, you don't always get the tips, but you do have excellent benefits and you get a lot of time off so you know i worked both but i preferred the last eight years of my career was on one private yacht for one gentleman and it was just killer because you work hard six months of the year he was on the boat then you get off and you travel and you do all the things <laughs> come back for a refit come back to do some work in the shipyard and then go out again and meet him somewhere
1: so I get okay so yeah you'll have a lot of time off and then you can do all your travel yes. which is what you want to do but like specifically like when obviously there are the yacht is going somewhere. When they light up, I don't know, I'm not a boat guy. When they port? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. Fucking, drop the anchor? Yeah, port. Uh, yeah, drop the anchor. <laughs> yeah. When they drop the <laughs> Next anchor, bar name. they're getting off to, to, to see some, see whatever island or whatever. What do you do during that time?
2: Uh, provision, sleep, work hard to get the yacht back up to standard. So, you're, so that's not
1: your vacation. That's time not at off at all. time. So, no. Okay.
2: Typically, like for me, as you know, when I was working as a chief stewardess, my job, part of my job, was to provision for certain aspects of the boat, not the food aspects that belong to the chef. I would mm. help them there, but I had other things to provision for the guests and for the crew. I was kind of in charge of all of their things that they needed ashore, all the flowers, any of the cleaning products, any of the things to help us operate. So, So I would go ashore early in the morning, say we were in Croatia and we were anchored there, I would go off in a tender with a crew member to the market and to all the shops Gather everything, throw it in the tender, and come back. And that would be sometimes the only time I would get to see that area. Oh. And just hope that like next time the guests get off there, so you know maybe they deport from there, so we can get some time to see it. Or else, when it was time off, I would fly back to that location just right. hanging out. Right? So,
1: because yeah, you got to see it. Mm-hmm. It's all—it's kind of good because you get to like sort of preview your vacation. Yes. Yeah.
2: It's a little yeah. preview yeah. for yeah. sure. There's places that I definitely didn't want to go back right. to. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, so that okay. So that's not so bad. Okay, but yeah. it's a lot of fucking hard work. It's a lot
2: say. of seeing the world through a Mm porthole. You know, you really have to you really have to make a conscious effort to go into the wheelhouse, like, okay, where are we going? Talk to the captain, spend some time when you're not on shift to kind of like actually absorb where you're going and what you're doing and Kind of to get more excited about the reason why you're there, essentially.
1: But when yeah. you're not on shift, quote unquote, which sounds like it's not. Oh, that's that's not very much time while you're on the boat that you're not on shift. It sounds like you're working most of it. Like, yeah. what do you do with yourself? Because you can't. From what I understand from my friend who did it, was like you're not. They don't want the guests don't want to see you.
2: No, right. no, you definitely aren't seen. So you wouldn't go anywhere in the guest area. Um, you know, when I worked on the private boat, the last part of my career it was. Um, The owner had owned a yacht for a long time, so he had much more realistic sort of ideas about how a crew survives healthily on a boat, right? Mm. So we could jump off the front and go diving in the front of the boat, or, you know, if perhaps we had a day off, a random day off, we could go ashore and do something oh, okay. a couple of times. Do you take a dinghy? Yeah, we have, like, a custom charter boat that's for, uh, like, a, a tender, but it's a beautiful tender for the for the principals and their cool. guests, and then there's a smaller boat for the crew, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah, like, yeah. inflatable, basically, yeah. <laughs> to so if you're yeah. going to get back. But you know, sometimes we'd be lucky enough to maybe if there was a massage booked and the guest didn't want to go, the prince would say, Hey Joe, do you want to go and take this massage and Hooven Fenfushi in an island in the Maldives? And I'm like, Yeah, I do. Yeah. So, you know, you get these random experiences that you weren't expecting when you woke up in the morning. You know, I I did some work um, in Alaska on a heli. It was like a heli skiing boat. It was very cool, and the guests would say to the captain, Every day we're here when we go out, we want crew to come with us and experience, you know, the glaciers and experience fly fishing. So that was sort of their MO in the beginning of the charter. So we ended up experiencing things that way. So, you know,
1: it's... So give us a, like, I'm sure there's a lot of places, but, like, give us, like, an idea of, like, how all of the different places you got to see during like you don't have to list them all, but just give us like yeah, I mean, sure. I, why don't you just give us like your that, like a rundown of some of your favorites. Okay.
2: So there's like there depends on what boat you go on. Because you mm-hmm. can be on one boat and they can we call it the milk run.
1: You know in hey the only boat I ever worked on was on the St. Lawrence River. So it's <laughs> <laughs> it's well, definitely gonna be more glamorous. Right,
2: yeah. Okay. <laughs> so the so the typical milk run if you're in working in south of France is like you're going to Saint Tropez, you're going to Antibes, you're going to Monaco, Nice You're doing all that sort of coastal stuff, but when you start, you get sick of that pretty quick on a boat. You're like, there's way more interesting things to see. So when you get on a boat that travels, essentially, you can go anywhere. But if your principal is the kind of person who wants to travel, I mean, we went. We would base ourselves in Malta, which is a great little island that I think mm-hmm. nobody really visits, and it's amazing.
1: Yeah, I hear good things about the it, Malta, but I've never been there.
2: Oh, and the Maltese are incredible people. Mm-hmm. Just a really a lot interesting. Of, a lot of ships
0: are registered in Malta, because the company I work for, we track every marine going vessel on the planet. Okay. And I see where they're all registered, because
1: it tax a And of the Grenadines, of He was actually the watching thing. you jump off the yeah. foot, uh, dive into <laughs> the ocean off the the boat. <laughs> he had uh, a uh, 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 camera uh, Okay, this is coming around now. Right now, I'm
2: sweating. Don't worry about it. We're talking taxes and yachts. Starting to sweat. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, the you know, typically in a year we would go. you know, we'd start off in Malta for a little shipyard work. It's a really great place to do, you know, engine stuff. And then we'd go down uh, the Suez Canal and go over to Oman and get some fuel. And then we'd head over to, you know, India and do the Andaman Islands, which is, you know, really wild. You know, mm. really, really wild. And then we could go over to, I don't know, Thailand. Wow. Um, come back around, maybe go to Seychelles coming back up. And then, you know, that was kind of like we really did move a lot on... On our boats, like I tend to work for owners that wanted to travel because that's essentially why I wanted to do. It. And I did spend the first few years of my career on boats that were going up and down the East Coast of the states. And I was like, okay, this is beautiful, but I'm done. Like I, yeah. I, I want to see some. I want to see some shit, you know. Like
1: you saw the Statue of Liberty a number of times. And you times, were like, yeah. but you know,
2: I have to say, <laughs> she's like, good I, woman. yeah, she, she's good. <laughs> you don't miss her. But you know, when you're, you know, seeing New York everything looks different by water, right? I mean, it's a whole different experience. Like,
1: Yeah, it does look good from the water.
2: It really sure. does. Yeah. It, yeah. And places look better from the water. They just mm-hmm. do. So you may have gone to a country five times and been in the internal part of it, but then suddenly you're on the coast of it and you're looking at it from a removed perspective and it's like, Fuck, this place is crazy. You know, and that was always, like, exciting to see a country in a different mind, like, just a different set of eyes, you know, and then, okay, I'm going to go back there.
1: I know, my... Uh bar and Kitchener flooded with shit water the other day, and I noticed the, the view from the ascent picture was the black much better water, from The black water tank? Yeah, yeah it, was, it was just a great view of the city. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I guess, like, anything's better than what I'm doing right now. <laughs> okay, so there's two things that we, everybody wants to know about. One is Pirates. Yeah. Talk to me it's about it. It's a pirates. real
2: thing. Yeah. It's a real thing. Yeah. So a lot of people in yachting don't have to worry about pirates because they do the milk run or they'll sort of hang out in safer spots. And, you know, maybe they just have a, a little slip in Monaco and that's where they hang out. But... I was fortunate enough, I guess, to have, like, real, you know, military training from ex-Marines and and get to learn sort of how what? to protect, so t- like protect the, bu- the vessel, yeah.
1: Protect the vessel? Yes, yeah. is, It's like learning a new language. Yeah, there. the vessel and
2: the crew, like, to keep us, you know, we didn't <laughs> want to... They gave
1: you real military well, training.
2: Oh, yeah. Like yeah.
1: what? Give me an example.
2: So AK-47s off the back of the boat, like, we I've were trained extensively firing vessels and having, um, like, sound protection. So there was, I don't remember the name of it, but there was, like, large apparatus that we would have to stand forward of. It was facing aft of the ship, and it would actually deafen you if you... So the idea was, like, if a vessel approached us from the aft area of the boat, then, <laughs> <laughs> then you know, they would, they would have to... They would go away because they would, you know, like, it would affect their hearing. So, you know, if oh. they decide to come on the sides, we had to learn how to you know, fire guns. And so it, we were, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty extensive. We knew how crazy. to do full lockdowns in the boat. So you knew you knew how to, like, secure, uh, how to communicate with the captain if you were in, you know, if we were in distress. And it's very serious. I mean, we, when we were on, we would do pirate watch every night going through certain areas. Um,
0: Around the eastern horn of Africa. That there. is a
2: very hot that's spot. A, yeah. That was the spot where we were on... On guard. Yeah. And and so we would do our shifts throughout the evening. So obviously the principals and the guests are not on at that time. That's right. not a time that my boss would want to join
0: right. no, yeah. you for the ride, you know?
2: So so it's just crew, and then we'd have ex-military on board with all the weapons, and we'd go through the training beforehand, and then we would do shifts all night. So you fired um, machine guns? Yes. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty wild. It was and it's a,
1: right off the hip. <laughs>
2: you know, I think it's, yeah, like I... I it was really exciting to to do that, to be honest. I uh, Terrifying if that was actually had to come into play. But, you know, to learn to protect yourself in waters that were scary. I mean, we also had a lot of British crew. And those vessels typically are the ones that get boarded because of insurance. So, mm-hmm. you know, if they get us over somewhere on the coast of Africa, they can typically get a pretty good amount of money for British crew. (laughs) So, so, yeah, so we had to... It was a heightened sort of security measure.
1: Okay, so I don't know if you'll know the exact numbers on this, but, like, if you were to give a percentage of, like, of the... Pirates that you encountered, how many, what would you say the percentage of them that were legitimately missing body parts that had to be plugged in with like a hook or a peg of 100%, 100%. some
2: sort? 100%, <laughs> <laughs> 100%. So I never saw a pirate. So we were doing something. Oh, so it was probably the machine we're, guns. We're, yeah. So we're watching, right? We're using all the technology to watch any vessel that's in the area, any smaller vessel. We've got people like, you know, doing the rounds outside so luckily I never actually had to experience we we know that we had some very close calls but nobody actually came close enough to the boat where we had to take any action
0: Oh, you're lucky. That's, very lucky. Yeah. good to yeah. see. Yeah. Yeah. Does it also help that the yachts could probably go a lot faster than a typical, like, a cargo ship, so you I, can kind of avoid some of that I stuff? I think
2: so. We could go faster, and it's easier to maneuver the stern, mm. right? So they could move a little faster to create a bigger wake and just kind yeah. of, yeah. Because
0: those guys will come flying up a little, a little that's inflatable That's right. They board scampo. fast. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: They throw it? ladders up, right? I mean, they're fast. Like really? There was a movie with Tom Hanks.
1: Yeah. I This is, a, this is I'm going to out myself on the industry podcast for anyone who's actually listening. I haven't seen any of these Tom Hanks movies because I hate Tom Hanks. Oh, I'm like the, like the only person on earth who doesn't like Tom Hanks. But I'm sure he's a nice guy. But he seems like a nice guy. He seems, he's, like, he seems guy. like he's probably a nice guy. But I feel like there's some the dark tradition. secrets hiding behind that fucking... <laughs> too cheering with exterior. He was in that TV show for some buddies with Peter Scolari.
0: Yeah, right? that was the last time, time I enjoyed it was like a
1: woman. That was the last time I enjoyed his work. Yeah. Um, so I, I know there's a movie about him with pirates. Yes. So I'm your, the captain now. Was, I've seen the trailer a million times. It, but,
2: it, yeah, um, and it's you know. based on a true story or whatever. Were right. like, you on that I, boat? <laughs> but that is how, when I came back from yachting that... That movie came out. Ooh. And it literally shook me to my core, sitting there because that's exactly the scene that we were set up for. Like, everything that those guys were doing on the vessel is what we were being trained to do to protect ourselves on the boat. So it was very real to me when I saw that. Oh, I was wow. like, this is the real deal.
1: Oh, so, well, now you know. That's an accurate depiction of um, piracy, piracy. Mm-hmm. in a movie that I will never watch. Yeah. Um, okay, so the other thing that everybody wants to know about is celebrities. Like, obviously, right. talk to us about some of the people who were on boats that you
2: yeah. worked on. it's funny because people want to talk about celebrities but I, and there was celebrities, and you'll for sure be happy to name drop, but what I found way more fascinating is all these other people that have money that nobody knows about. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. where I really was like, who are these people? Like, you know, especially the owners, because the celebrities tended to be the people that chartered the yachts. Mm. Whereas or guess, the owners were, of the they were guests or they yeah. were coming along, whereas the owners were the ones with, with the, the real money. With the real money. Yeah. Um, but we did uh, some movie. I remember we were in New York City to do a movie with Hugh Grant and Sandra Bullock on the boat on the boat, which was fun. One of my owners was best friends with Steven Tyler, so he came on regularly and was Stephen
1: Tyler has friends.
2: Very cool. He was very cool.
1: The outside of Joe Perry. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, and then there's, like, tiny rabbits, all the... Well, oh, do,
0: what did Steven Tyler dress like when he's not... Uh, <laughs> do he still dress all the, all the all the kerchiefs and did, shit? Yeah, yeah, he just for looked
2: like for 100% Stephen Tyler, like, genuine, what he looks like all the time. <laughs> but I will say, like, he was super so, uh, kind. So
1: he looked like an androgynous skeleton? Yes, yeah, oh, okay. yeah.
2: And he was with a beautiful model. You know, the whole thing, oh. like, it was happening. But I remember him being... He came at a time where we were actually off... My boss wasn't on board. We were off for the evening, the crew. And I get a call from the captain saying, get back on board, Steven Tyler's coming now. In like two minutes, he's on a tender on the way over. My boss owned a couple of vessels, he was on another vessel and he wanted to see this one. And uh, he just wanted some alone time with me. his, his friends. Sure. Oh, yeah. so, yeah. so I had to get back quickly to the boat. And when he arrived, I was like, not in uniform, which is like, it's unheard of, you don't do it, I wouldn't even show up. Like I wouldn't even want it to show up, but it was in the too hard pile to like just run down, like it was just too fast. And he was very fascinated by me, what I was doing that night, my boyfriend. Like, what are you guys doing? I'm so sorry to interrupt, kind of thing. It was very normal. He's like, when are you oh, be wow. leaving? Yeah, he was like, boy, I'm so sorry to bother you. I was like, oh, I'm dying right now. What? Oh, like, no, you know, oh, that's come cool, let actually. me get you something. So he was very nice. Like, he was one He's of my favorite. friends. I was really favorite. hoping he was going to be
1: an asshole, but that's yeah, okay. Yeah,
2: no, he wasn't. <laughs> that's
1: okay. It's good to know. What about letting Kravitz?
0: Those you like.
2: Yeah, fun, really kind and nice. Typically, they're just very nice and just want some privacy. There's got to be one wow. asshole. Uh, most of the assholes are people that tag along with people with money. Uh. Yeah, typically, nobody's going to, you know, your principals are generally pretty nice people. They want to keep their crew, they sure. want things to be pretty common and collective on the boat. But yeah, typically, to be somebody who maybe has never come on a boat before. And they don't know the etiquette and protocol, and they just kind of, you know, start to think that they're, hot shit. Yeah, pretty hot shit. Mm. That's the that's usually.
1: What's the what is the the shittiest thing somebody did to you while you were working on the boat? The
2: shittiest thing. Sometimes. Or said to you. <laughs> I feel like it was more the crew that could get shitty.
1: <laughs> oh, really? Well, yeah, you're yeah, working we fucking long hours. And, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. That,
2: that dynamic with the crew is much more stressful than the guest dynamic because mm-hmm. the guests sort of come and go, right. and the principal's a principal, so you know that situation. But, yeah, a crew can be difficult, you know, mm-hmm. particularly when, you know, you've been on board for six months and people well, need to get off. Tight and, quarters. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. tight quarters and just maybe people not always able to take that extra minute, just take a breath and understand where somebody else is coming from, you mm-hmm. know, so that there was asshole situations there, Sure. but you know,
1: you're all sleep deprived and like, yeah. it's very
2: stressful and it's, yeah, you're mm-hmm. um, and you know, some people wake up great and some people don't, but you're sharing a smaller space than this, you know, the crew, the boat is huge. The yachts are huge, but where the crew actually function and eat and socialize every day is extremely small in the back of the vessel, you know, a crew mess, with a little sort of kitchenette area, this the
1: size maybe. Yeah,
0: Perhaps. for
2: yeah, and nobody and can
1: nobody 12 12 can see people. that.
2: <laughs> yeah, 12, yeah, this size <laughs> is actually here, guys. I'll put the show notes to well. <laughs> Twelve <laughs> by eleven <laughs> by yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's that's tight, and I think like further to that, what was hard for me, I guess what I found to be difficult in that situation is like, we'd have a junior stewardess come on board who had these dreams about working on a yacht and drinking champagne and had no idea really innocently ready to learn and ready to work. And then you'd have like an ex Marine or whatever, a engineer and they're, you know, they've been doing this for 30 years. This is their career and they're not fucking around, you know? So, and then suddenly these two are working together and they actually have to cohesively work together in order for everything to, to yeah. work smoothly and I was kind of the middle. That's you know, an interesting
1: th- dynamic that you wouldn't normally, like that doesn't happen in any other service, like mm-hmm. in, in any other job pretty much period or like, but specifically in the service industry because that's what we talk about on this show, like everybody is in it together. They're all doing the same job essentially, like there's different levels of that job but they're everyone's working towards the same goal and you guys are yeah. as well but from very different backgrounds mm-hmm. Like, like that, yeah, that's interesting.
2: It always made for the most interesting and intense times, right? Mm-hmm. And And it just, you needed time off with crew to bond under different conditions than just work. And it was really um, important, you know, from that perspective, for everybody to get along, to have that time together off the boat, because otherwise nobody would understand where anybody's coming from. Right. The girls are crying, the guys are yelling, like the engineers are yelling, the stewardesses are crying, wanted to quit day two because they don't understand why people are being so mean to them. And you're just like, well, you gotta, you know, if you flush a tampon down the toilet, we are going to not be able to go to Croatia today. So we just gotta, <laughs> we just gotta break it down about how important it is that you respect the engineers, you know, and it's. And stupid. if anyone's listening,
1: if you do that, it's. Sugar run, I'm gonna be fucking mopping up shit water. So don't do that there Again. either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, okay. So that's yeah, interesting. So is that what happened? Like, did you guys find that you travel together on your time off?
2: Yeah, I did travel yeah. with people on my time off. I also sometimes, depending on you know what what kind of time we just came off of, sometimes I couldn't wait to get away from that boat.
1: Right, and those people. Get me
2: away, get me away from people, and Mm -hmm. when I would come home, I wouldn't even think about them, even though they were my life Mm 24-7. I would come home and just sort of decompress and then and then go back. And other times, you know, you might work crew come and go on a boat. So that's great. Mm -hmm. Because that actually changes the dynamic, probably much like a bar. You know, you have one staff member can change a whole vibe of a place, right? So that was fun to have like a new crew member come on because maybe you'd make a closer friend or maybe a boyfriend, who knows? And then, you know, you can travel with them, right? That was like a whole thing too.
0: (laughs) So what were some of these these owners of the the yachts like? Like some of the... uh, uh, Principles, you've heard like billionaires, whatnot, or multi Yeah. Any good, interesting stories about some th- of the characters? I
2: think, do you know, my last boss, obviously, I worked for him the longest. Mm-hmm. I, 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 it's a weird thing to say, but I really, really loved him. I really respected him as an individual. I don't necessarily respect what he did to get the money he had. That was kind of, sure. when I, you know, you start research, researching someone, you're like, no, not, I don't actually want to go down this rabbit hole. But mm-hmm. he was he was a wonderful owner to us, very consistent. And I think he was successful with his crew. His, some of his crew have been on with him for 20 years, which is unheard of in the yachting industry. Wow. But he was consistent and he set out his expectations. So there was no question on how we operate things, how we approach, how we do things. There was no question and the captain was very much behind him making sure that he sort of embodied what that looks like for the rest of us. So he was, if I could have a favorite owner, he was my favorite owner because he set us up for success every day. Oh, nice. Like him being able to, he didn't sideswipe us, surprise us. There was no sort of, of course there's last minute changes. You're working with weather and guests and stuff. So there are fluid things happening, but he was very consistent and very respectful to us. So we were able to just put forward the most incredible service for him and just in his family and we were prepared all the time based mm. on his sort of, you know, expectations. So I think for success, he was my favorite because I felt like, okay, we're, we're doing things right for this guy. You know? But he allowed us to do that. Yeah, cool. I mean, some of, them, some of them are not like that, right? It's yeah. last minute, like you think you're going to have three months off and you get two days notice that 16 people or 12 people are going to join the boat. And you're like, okay, here we go. So there's the opposite side too with the principal, you know. And usually those ones you don't stay, you don't stay working for them for very long. If if that's kind of
1: it's like chaos all the time. It's just chaos, but and that's it's the set, same that's as the like standard. any bar job in a way. Yeah. Like yeah, <laughs> like the key is to create a calm atmosphere where people make money, and then you generally get people to stick around.
2: Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, you want people to feel secure and feel like they can do well. Like I always felt. With my last boss I could do well because he, he you know, we were prepared well. So mm-hmm. I didn't feel like it was a threatening position where sometimes on a boat with a yacht it can actually feel quite threatening because they can pull the trigger anytime. They can say what they want, do what they want, throw money. Right. So you know, you can be as prepared as you want, but if somebody decides they're gonna switch it up you know and you just feel you know like a bit of a failure you know yeah.
1: it also must be an interesting dynamic like you are trapped out at sea with a bunch <laughs> of people did you ever find yourself in a situation where you felt like you were not safe
2: yeah definitely mm-hmm. yeah i quit one boat with a with a captain who was dangerous yeah. He was a heavy drinker and I didn't know that actually to be honest when I joined the boat he scouted me out from France and I went to Holland and we were doing a new build. They have a beautiful ships that they build in Holland. I was part of a brand new build of a really beautiful big super yacht. It was very exciting. Oh,
0: what's and the name of the yacht? You remember? Seven
2: sins. Yeah. I'll
0: look it up see if I can. Yeah, put it's it. a
2: Heason. And it was an awesome oh, a Heisen. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> what that fucking is.
0: <laughs> there
2: beautifully built ship and so it was a great opportunity and everything seemed great and then we went to sea and it was just a very stressful itinerary and before we knew it the captain couldn't keep up with the stress and he was drinking and we were at anchor and he left us in a storm in Villefranche I remember in an anchorage in the south of France it was just terrifying you know because you really do look for your the boss is the owner is the owner but your real everyday boss is the captain Right, that's the man you go to or woman you go to you work
1: for the owner but you're Dependent on the captain. hundred percent. That? That's yeah.
2: that is your that's your go-to person every day. Mm-hmm. So to have somebody unstable
1: yeah. in that
2: position is terrifying because you mm-hmm. really are. If you're at his
1: mercy. You yeah. are at his yeah. mercy.
2: Yeah, so I did quit. I, I quit a job once because of a terrible captain.
1: And what about, like, even with, like, different crew members and stuff? Like, you're stuck in, like, have you ever, like, been in an unsafe situation with, like, I don't know, like, I don't even know how to say this properly, but like you know, that I I watch too many movies, but right. uh, but like, have you ever felt physically in danger with anyone you worked with?
2: Never. Oh, okay, no, so that's good because that but.
1: would scare the shit out of me. That would be the thing that would scare the shit out of me. It's like you're trapped out at sea with these people, and like, you know. Yeah,
2: sure. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's fair. But uh, you know, when you work on a boat and you trust your captain and the crew around you, you know, that they become like family, right. really. So. You know, quite trusting of them. Sometimes a um, a guest, if they were drinking too much, True. I spent um,
0: at the Seven Sins. At
2: Seven Sins, yeah, I was there. Yeah, well, everybody see that on the
1: oh wow. <laughs> uh, it, it, so it, it, yeah, we're, this is the scintillating part of the right. audio only podcast. <laughs> right. where we're, we're looking at pictures of the yacht right now, but it does That's look pretty sick. Yeah, I wow. Think, yeah.
2: I, mean, I think one of the times that I think I guess was most threatening to me and it was a learning experience and take it as you will because it's going to come out wrong here on land but in this situation it's just kind of like okay but we were um, I was working on a a private boat and the owner never came we were based out of the south of France and I think I was there for two years and the owner came once for a couple of days and then we got a call this is what I'm talking about on a Friday night you got to go to Russia Somebody Ooh. wants to charter the boat in Russia because they want, you have to go to Sochi, and I don't know if you guys know oh, Sochi, the, the Olympics. Olympics. Mm-hmm. Somebody is trying to get a bid for the Olympics. It's all politicians. They need the boat in Sochi port so they can entertain all the diplomats and everybody else that are going to come aboard to get this, to get, to get the Olympics, to get to Saatchi. Mm-hmm. So we provisioned and then like three weeks later we were heading over to Russia and I remember the night that we arrived, you know, you go through the Black Sea and you you think, okay, the, it's just daunting. The whole thing is daunting because you know you're entering a territory where I don't know anybody else in yachting that had gone on that trip. Mm-hmm. So we were then entering some space. Where I was like, okay, well, this is like a, a huge learning curve. And we got into port that night, and it was um, a lot of black Mercedes Benz, if you know what I'm getting at. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of special secret people there, yeah, you know, yeah, there was yeah. a lot going on. Dogs boarding the vessel to sniff for drugs, people diving, like I swear, we turned our engines off, we got shore power and there was divers under the boat looking for bombs. Um, Like super intense. Uh, The freezer was being pulled apart to check uh, check for like poisonous uh, food. Um, like our walk-in freezer that, you know, wow. the chef had provision for. So it just went into this, like, next level. And this is our first, like, we just arrived.
1: So um, did they find your stash of molly? So they didn't, <laughs> you know. I was,
2: so, I was so fortunate about that. But so so they, you know, we were kind of cleared in the port, and we were settling down that evening, the crew, and it was exhausting, right? You come from a month at sea, you're so. tired. It's, it's a lot. There was, on that particular boat, there was only 12 crews, so it's a lot. And we get a phone call and the captain says, get up, get on deck. We're going out, we're leaving the port and we're going out to anchor in front of this beach. What is happening? It's like midnight. So, but we had to go out there with our lights off, which is like highly illegal. But at this point in time, the captain... Actually, was like, things are out of my control, right. which is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, getting to your point, right? So yeah. then we're out at anchor with our lights off, and then we were told to just sit there with our lights off at anchor and turn your lights on when you get a phone call. And then there was a phone call to the captain, turn on your lights. We turn on the lights. And they said, "Okay, go back into port." So I turned around, went back into port, and it was very odd. And we all thought we were going to get shot at. Like we really did think, "Okay, this is the end of like no, this doesn't happen yachting. This is against all regulations, all rules, all protocol, all etiquette. The whole thing is odd." And we went back in, and um, and then we were told the next day that there was all the diplomats sitting in a restaurant, and somebody wanted to say, "Hey, I've got this yacht. In five minutes, I'll show you," you know, and then made the phone call, turn on the lights, kind of thing. And it was like it was like a power call, right? Uh, so uh, they just wanted to show what they had. And then we went back into port, and just things like that scared me. Yeah, So, you know, and then in Russia, there's a whole, um, this part might be edited out, (laughs) but there's a whole other scene going on there, right? So I remember thinking or saying like a week or two in, like I said to my captain, I think I'm out. Like, I think I'm done. Like there was almost a mutiny on board at that point in time because yeah. all the crew felt the same way. It was just we were getting exposed to some pretty crazy stuff at a rapid rate, and it was it was a little scary. Okay,
1: well, we're going to need examples now. Right.
0: Yeah. So,
2: <laughs> so just a lot of um, so a lot of people coming on and off the boat. A lot of young women, uh, prime ministers presidents,
1: uh-huh. right? Okay, so any them riding on a horse a lo- with no shirt? <laughs> <laughs> or, or a Siberian <laughs> tiger with
2: yeah. no yeah. shirt there, there we go. So yeah, a, lot okay. of stuff, a lot of stuff happening and we were being exposed to stuff that maybe typically we wouldn't see on the yachting scene quite to this extent. There's mm-hmm. stuff that happens, but it's much more discreet and at this point in time it's not discreet. Right. And it's just we're involved, you know, because we're changing over rooms. Like things were just, tar- things were just escalating yeah. um, we were invited to go off the boat by um, our principal and there was like you can't turn that down it was our charter principal not our owner so we went out and our captain ended up in jail that night in Russia um, they took his passport like there was just intense situations happening there that I felt more threatened I guess than anywhere else right. um, but it was interesting because what I said to my captain I think I'm done like I think I'm out like yeah. this is too much <laughs> for me now and it's kind of you know and he was like well you know. You you said you want to travel and see the world, you think you're going to like everything you see? Like (laughs) you think think everything's just going to align with you perfectly? I guess that's a
0: good point. (laughs) I was
2: like, okay. He's like, we're going to leave here on this date, and this is, and I was like, okay. So teetered sort of back and forth about it. But I I did actually finish, and things calmed down a bit. But that was a scary situation. I remember we needed visas. Our visas ran out because they wanted us longer than anticipated. Mm -hmm. And we all got sent to Moscow. And when I was on the airplane, the fucking seats weren't attached to the bottom of the plane. (laughs) So it was, it was really insane. Like it was just insane, like next level scary, like everything we did in Russia was just scarier than I've ever experienced. Right. And then we got there and we actually arrived on a holiday, Uh but we were taken in a vehicle and the, where we were getting our passports, the, um, the immigration place. Just the guy comes through the door and locks the door, come in, we get shuffled to the back, like things that we're not used to in this, right. this world, like this part of the world, right? So yeah. suddenly we're just, it's all sort of just happening out of our control. Everything just, and then we're, you know, shot back with bags of money back on the plane. Like, it's just like insane, right? And yeah, wow. that wow. kind of That's... stuff was pretty wild, I guess, for
1: Russia. It really is like the wide open, wild open seas, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you get into that sort of the area of the world, because really, like, so what's the best way to move shit around is mm-hmm. like
2: <laughs> oh my god yeah, yeah that was terrifying like to be given a, a brick of like you don't actually know what's in it yeah but they throw it in your you know in your sweater or your chest so fast and you're pushed on the boat and that's probably it just, you know flour right it's flour it's flour yeah well, do,
1: you, do you feel more secure now knowing that Dan's watching all this shit <laughs> Yeah. So much more because I yeah. Yeah. track all these vessels all day long. Right. You know? right. So you're, yeah, you can get back in the game now. Right. good.
2: I, I feel like somebody's gonna come and kill me for these stories. It's terrifying. I
1: don't yeah. worry. We don't have that many listeners. <laughs> no, not,
2: not the Russian billionaires either. So we're
1: no. good. No, no. Yeah. But yeah, I hear their I hear their industry podcast. Curious. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay, so yeah. well, I mean, those are crazy stories, and we got, honestly we could talk to you all night about this shit. But like, went, after that, you ended up going when you just to finish, sort of finish off your story when you got out of the yacht game, you mm-hmm. when you became landborn born again, the, you started working at the hacienda.
2: Yeah, I was kind of fatigued from yachting. I needed mm-hmm. some space from people, and I always just thought like. Like, a 35-year-old doesn't actually look that great in a squirt, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You look good in your 20s, and then you're, like, 35, and you're like, no, fuck, those 20-year-olds look good in a squirt. I need to to abandon ship.
1: Go to my next wedding outfit.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I left, and I came home, and um, Natalie was having my nephew, and, you know, that was far more important to me at that time than being on the boat. I just had had enough. Really?
1: I would have totally taken the boat. (laughs) You know?
2: I think back, I'm like, I could have maybe squeezed out a few more years back. But, um, you know, I just had some stuff that I was missing on on land. And uh, so I came back, and I didn't really know where to start. And I had been gone for a long time because I had lived in Toronto a few years before. So I didn't really have a friend or family. I had a family base, but not a friend base or a professional Mm -hmm. base here. And I was like, I have these really random skills now. What am I going to do? So I went to Conestoga College, just like. But I went to the events management program because I had my eye on the hacienda, which wasn't open yet. But I had, like, I had happened to stumble upon that place at a party when I was on boats, I came home and happened to go to a party that was hosted in there. And when I was in that space, I was like, this is my space in Kitchener. If I'm going to work somewhere, when I come home, this is it. I felt a very strong calling for that particular place. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to do the Santiago pilgrimage and it was sort of outlined on the back patio on the ground there and i'm standing there looking at I was like this is my place so when i started working at events i went there and i asked if i could work there and there was no jobs at the time so i had a free i had to work for free there right, yeah. <laughs> for a little while i think then i was hired for 12 bucks an hour coming from yachting it was a bit of like humble pie i was like okay yeah 12 bucks an hour and hacienda but you know i you know i was lucky enough to be there in the beginning where we built a business with the owner and you know i ended up really um being part of the growth of that whole business, which was really fun in managing there. And then, you know, I started, I thought, okay, I can get maybe back into a bit of private service, so I started, I have a, you know, you have friends in yachting all over the world, so I have a friend. Yeah, and, we all do. Right? Well, I mean, everybody is from somewhere, so, you know, typically you're, I, didn't, I don't think I worked with very many Canadians, maybe a handful in 11 years, mm. so you know, your friends tend to be all over the world, and, and I have a friend in New York who said, okay, I've got this job with this guy, do you want to kind of fly in and fly out to do the events? And I was like, yeah, so I did that for a couple of years and Jeez. worked... With his family and in his home and in his, yeah, and just sort of in his boat too, just sort of helping out and doing events um, while I worked at Hacienda and then I had my son. Mm-hmm. So that all stopped pretty quick. It's like a reality. <laughs> yeah, I and then I, I, when I was, I think I maybe just had Bronson or, yeah, I just had Bronson. I decided to go to Toronto to take... Um, I don't know if you know Charles McPherson. Uh, Not personally. Okay, so Charles McPherson is a a famous sort of butler in Canadian terms, I guess. And he he runs, um, he has a business in Toronto who they they do a lot of, they have an academy, they place uh, private household staff. So I took his course um, for household management. I wanted to learn how to manage a private household. It's very similar to managing a yacht. So I figured that was transferable and I was kind of ready to go in back into the private world. And then he just sort of hired me for a consultancy. I decided not to take a full-time gig just because it's just a lot. And when you give yourself to a family like that, Mm -hmm. it's nonstop. And I have my own family. So just doing some consultancy work for him and... Yeah, I so yeah, like? it has been quiet, but...
1: Yeah, what does that look like, doing consultant work? Like, you come in and sort of teach people how to do the job? Yeah, yeah. so
2: all kinds of stuff. So I'll go in and analyze what's happening in a house. Maybe they'll have four or five staff. Ooh, um, Jesus. Maybe it's, it's not working nice. quite well. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: It, yeah, I mean, Just it's... like my place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got you guys pick up
2: my trash on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <not> really good <laughs>
1: garbage. Yeah. Yeah. They pick up most of it? Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: Not all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So, sort of finding out sort of the dynamics, what's happening there. Sometimes, you know, you're interviewing staff, rewriting positions, trying to figure out ways that maybe it could work more effectively for everybody in the household, and obviously echoes what the principals need and desire based on their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, doing all the training. So I'll train the laundry. Um, person, the housekeepers, the valet staff, the butlers. So you sort of just are involved in the full cycle of how a household can run um, and doing household manuals, you know, because every household has to come with a manual. So you write the manuals on how things operate. Wow,
0: uh,
2: It's pretty extensive. It's pretty interesting. The private household sector is like a lot of people... Sort of don't talk about it or... Because right. like, people know that it, yeah. it, it,
0: that's something that goes on. said the private household sector. Yeah. Right. No, yeah. The private. Right. Yeah, sector, private, right. Right. yeah.
2: Yeah, but from, huh. from yachting, it was a very natural sort of like jump for me to right? so be... But it almost was too much. Like, I, I was like, oh, I'm remembering too much <laughs>
0: yeah. about
2: how this we, was. Right. And it just, you know, I'd sort of... I guess, yeah, just not that interested in working in that environment anymore as much. So doing the consultancy is really great because I go in and I feel like a hero. I can go in and and figure it out and help people and train the staff and relate to the principal as well, relating to the staff and get everybody to kind of come together to communicate well and everybody to feel good Mm -hmm. and then sort of move on. So
0: Is most most of that based around like locally, like Toronto Toronto? A lot
2: of Toronto, a lot of cottage country, some here, you know, Guelph. I work for a client in Guelph often. It's Yeah, yeah, Guelph has a, a few key oh,
1: that's right. key what's
2: players there.
1: The, what's the weirdest thing that you, like, that uh, the average person wouldn't understand would be part of, like, the regular routine for, like, a, a house oh, like it's this? That's
2: also weird. Yeah. So, there's so many weird things. So, if your principal comes home, you know, the housekeeper will grab their shoes and polish them before they put them away, make sure their shoelaces were just right. Like, everything is done awesome. to. My stepkid like, does that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, everything to the next level. Like, there's no, um, there's 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 no exception. Like you just go hard every, you know. best. But is there something that's made, just like
1: so unusual? Like that? I mean, this you thing is pretty unusual. But yeah, like, it's I, like I'm just trying to figure. I'm trying to figure out how the other half lives. But.
2: I mean, I think I think it's the expectation uh, is unusual. Okay. Yeah. So just the amount of work that's expected to the degree of what's expected. Like somewhere along the line, it's lost in translation. Translation that yeah. these these are just people trying right, to do a job right, and they only right. have so much energy and time during a day. So yeah. I think if anything, that's where things get fucked up. Yeah. It's well,
1: just that, like, and that really does relate to like the service industry in general. Like, I mean, the expectations on pe- anyone who works in the service industry is yes. like are way higher than they should be. Right. Like they're only people who can work at a certain level at a certain speed for so long. Right. Yes. And like people come into a restaurant or fine dining or any type of restaurant. It's like, they do, they can see that the place is absolutely like just crazy busy. They can see that their specific server is crazy busy. They can see that they're understaffed, and it still doesn't matter. Like because it just yeah. doesn't register to them. It's like my needs are not getting met quickly right. enough.
2: Yeah, there's a. That's true. It's mm-hmm. true. I mean, there's a. There's like an expectation that's not necessarily <laughs> fair no. or right. You know, and in, I don't think you'd actually have that in a lot of other spaces. Like a lot of my time when I work in that sort of consultancy, it's more about training people about realistic expectations and reminding people that, you know, their staff are humans. Human like as beings, crazy as that sounds, like that is. Uh, yeah. yeah, these are human beings. They have children. They have, whatever. Or they don't, or they, you know, but they have lives side of this house. And I think that's the hardest part. (laughs) I think that when you have that amount of money, and you have that much, uh, re- you have the resources and you're just like, why can't it all just happen? Right. Well, again, we're just talking about people.
1: Yeah, maybe hire more of them. Right, right, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can hire
2: more, which <laughs> it always stops there. Like, yeah. that's always my recommendation. Yeah, know yeah. you need more let's people. Let's just double up with that yeah. position and then you might be satisfied. But yeah. I think that's kind of what always what always kills me. is just that, you
1: know. So what I'd like to leave it on is like, what do you think, like I know originally the travel uh, was what got you into this, but like, You've obviously continued in this like the similar role. Now you're just land based, kind of doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think drew you to this, or draws you to this job, where it's like this had these crazy high expectations from rich people, and like, mm-hmm. is it? Just that you're good at it and you know how to get it done, or is it? um, Is there some sort of do you take some pleasure with the the? I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is because I'm not very good at this job, but the um, (laughs) the like the intricacies of the job, like the like.
2: Yeah, I I definitely notice it. So now um, I've opened a business with my business partner Leah. And we um, curate gifts. Mm -hmm. And I find that I obsess over detail. It's very hard for me to feel satisfied. Mm -hmm. So in a job for yachting,
1: Mm
2: -hmm. there's hardly ever a time where you can walk away from something and say, that was the absolute 100% best I could do, hands down. There's always room to improve. There's unlimited budget. There's unlimited resources. There's unlimited everything. So I think for me, it's just that desire to really want to get things more than right. You know, it allows me to almost become obsessive about components of work. And, and it's and not frowned upon. It's actually admired. Whereas r- you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah, most yeah, times yeah. people are like, get the fuck on with your work. Yes. You know, in a yawning world, you can keep, they
1: want, you that's you can what keep they're obsessing. Yeah, yeah and, do, and have you found um, it difficult now that, like, it's your own money involved and it's not unlimited funds or whatever for your business? Does that have been a difficult transition?
2: hundred percent, yeah. I mean, it's totally different when you're dealing with your own money and your own time and your own, I mean, this is my future now, right? So, right. But, uh yeah, I think I've realized pretty it's yeah, been a year so it's, it's been like, humbling. Your,
1: your business partner's is like Jody, yeah. fucking move your y- ass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: it's it, it is. Yeah. I mean, I could literally look at an item for, you know, yeah, I mean for yeah. sure, it's 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 for sure different than when I'm spending somebody else's money. That's
1: right. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you really are seriously have a concern about like ever being fully satisfied, then I would just start getting into heroin because then it, like it all—it's <laughs> right. like it's no problem. You're satisfied immediately, right. Thank and you, you stop caring about any of the right. other details. Right.
2: Thank you yeah. for that. All right. Yeah. Well, we
1: can leave it there. Thanks for doing this, Joey. That was super fascinating. Thanks, guys. We could honestly do like a three-parter on yeah. your career here, but uh, that was awesome. Thanks for Thank so much for coming. So much Thank for, you. Uh, for another in person interview, man. We're on a roll here. I don't yeah. even know if I'm going to be able to look at a screen anymore. <laughs> it's true. a lot more fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Jody. Thank thanks.
2: you, guys.